Welcome to the Fables Podcast, recorded the second Wednesday of every month from the Fables main stage at the Next Stage Theater in Putney, Vermont. The podcast is produced at the Earspoon Studios in collaboration with Fishhook Communications. Each month, four storytellers are selected to tell their personal story. If you have a personal story you would like to tell, please go to nextstagearts.org. Click on the Fables banner and pitch us your story right through the website. We'll be sure to get back in touch with you right away to let you know we've received it and how to proceed. This podcast and the live event at the Next Stage Theater are brought to you in part by the Vermont Country Deli, Farnham Insulators, the Marina Restaurant, Burroughs Specialized Sports, and the River Valley Credit Union. The following podcast was recorded live on March 13th at 7 p.m. The theme of the evening was Girl Power. Our partner charity for the evening was Girls on the Run. They inspire girls to be joyful, healthy, and confident, and they envision a world where every girl knows and activates her limitless potential and is free to boldly pursue her dreams. Our second storyteller of the evening was Lopi LaRoe. Lopi told us a story about how she stood toe-to-toe with somebody twice her size, didn't back down, and learned that some conversation will always lead to some common ground. Here's Lopi LaRoe. So I just want to introduce myself. Um, my name is Lopi LaRoe. I grew up in the Adirondack Mountains. I'm a seventh generation Vermonter that never lived here before. Figure that one out. Ah, gotcha. I'm standing in front of a crowd of angry men who are shouting obscenities and insults at me and my, the people I'm with. Now these men are old enough to be my father, some of them even old enough to be my grandfather. They're shouting things like, welfare bums, get a job, take a bath, shave your legs, you stink, take a bath. And, and I think it's pretty funny to be getting personal hygiene advice from a bunch of loggers. <laughs> but you know, what are they gonna shout next? Don't wear stripes with blood. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm just standing there listening to them and we had marched into their town that day singing songs and chanting slogans and waving banners. Um, we wanted to, we were trying to save the old growth redwoods. I had a drum strapped around my waist, cutoffs, hiking boots, bandana around my neck, feather in my braid, and uh, I was 25 years old. That was the summer of 1989. Redwood summer. Our slogan was, no compromise in defense of Mother Earth. Earth first. Things have been heating up in the woods of Northern California. There was a lot of tension between us and the loggers. We had been making their jobs hard for them, running around in the woods, trying to keep them from harvesting the trees. See, we wanted to save those ancient trees, and they wanted to keep making a living doing the same thing that their fathers and their fathers' fathers had been doing before that. We were doing stuff like you know, we were like such nuisances. We were just running around. We were doing things like tree sits. A tree sit, if you don't know, probably some of you might know, 
But tree sit is when you build a platform, a wooden platform, and you strap it way up high in a tree and someone basically camps out on it for as long as it takes to save the tree. Um, and the idea is that a logger won't cut down the tree as long as there's somebody living in it. Well, that's the idea anyway. Some of those loggers were pretty mean too, and they would come and they would cut down a tree so close that it was terrifying for the tree sitters. But they would fight back. Sometimes they would take paper bags full of poop and throw it at them. You know, it was like a shit bomb. You gotta use what's handy, right? Uh, there was a woman that sat in a tree for two years to save a tree. She didn't even come down. Her legs atrophied from just being up there. That's how dedicated these people were. We lost one person um, uh, when a logger fell a tree on top of this kid. His name was Gypsy and he died trying to save the trees. We were doing other things too, like driving 10 penny nails into the trees so that when the loggers would try and cut them down, it would break their saws. Yeah, that was very dangerous. But we would always post a sign, a note, a notice. Warning, these trees have been spiked. Log at your own risk. We even made up a song. Spike a tree for Jesus. <laughs> and we used to sing it at the rallies. I won't sing it for you right now. I'll spare you that. Um, actually, nobody ever died from that, but one person got really critically injured, so the general consensus was to stop doing that. And so most of, mostly we did, but you know, a bunch of earth firsters, you can't really control them. One time we built a paper mache bulldozer large enough to fit two people inside of it. And we dragged the thing to the, the entrance to the logging road to blockade it one morning at dawn. And two people got inside and locked themselves inside of this bulldozer. Paper mache bulldozer. And when the Freddies came, do you know what a Freddy is? Forest Rangers. The Forest Service guys, they were, the, they were like the Freddies, that's what we called them. I can't even remember what they were really called because I just think of them as Freddies. Anyway, when the Freddies came, they had to destroy the bulldozer in order to get those guys out of there. So we literally forced them to sabotage a bulldozer, symbolically, <laughs> while we videotaped them, you know, SVHS or whatever. While we sang a song called Bill, Billy the Bulldozer, the little dozer that wouldn't. Oh. He, he was, he, Billy the Bulldozer decided to go on strike when he, you know, felt so badly for the trees and the, and the forest creatures. So he went on strike in solidarity with them. And, you know, we were trying anything we could we were trying to just think of anything we could to stall them while our lawyers went through court to try and save it that way. So it's, it's like a, you know, diversity of tactics is what they call it. So, yeah, so we, we were in the town of Fortuna in Northern California. Um, it was the home of Pacific Lumber which had recently been bought by this Wall Street executive named Charlie Hurwitz. 
Now, old Charlie, he didn't care about the trees. He didn't care about the loggers. He definitely didn't care about us earth firsters. Nope. All he cared about was dollar bills. And his aim was to liquidate his assets and leave nothing but tree stumps and unemployed loggers behind him and a full bank account in front of him. Now, you'd think the loggers would be pissed at him, right? Because he was going to just destroy their livelihoods. Nope. They were pissed at us. All of their rage were, was focused on us. On me, actually. Because I had edged up as close as I could to try and make eye contact with them. But it was pretty hard. But that didn't stop me. But it was pretty hard because they had a line of cops between the, um, the loggers and us. To they were in full riot gear to protect the loggers from us. I mean, it was a good thing, too, because we were dangerous. We were like an unwashed mob of <laughs> pacifists who had just come from a direct action on violent training course. <laughs> anyway, we had our own security force that was there to protect us from the cops and the loggers. We called them the peacekeepers, and they were wearing rainbows on their t-shirts. <laughs> I don't know how rainbows were supposed to protect, um, protect us, but, you know, at least they looked good, right? So, so, yeah, it wasn't easy to get close up to them between the, you know, rainbow warriors and the riot police, but I persisted, and I picked out this one guy. His face was, he was grizzled. His face was red as the flannel shirt he was wearing underneath his suspenders that held up his car hearts. And I just silently stared at him until our eyes locked. Then he was taking a breath to just get ready for this next stream of obscenities that he was going to scream at me when I said, I respect you. Just quiet enough to get his attention, and just loud enough so he could hear me. What did you say? He asked me. I said I respect you, I told him. He was confounded. His entire demeanor changed. And before you knew it, we were having a conversation, an actual conversation. I was dumbfounded when he asked me what my hopes and dreams were. He asked me. He was asking me. I told him I wanted to build a house and grow my own food. He asked me what did I like to grow and I said, you know, I told him about the basil and tomatoes in my garden and he, he told me he had a patch of tomatoes that had, he had a patch of tomato plants that was giving him some really nice heirloom tomatoes that year. Yeah, so, so yeah, we're, he's telling me about his grandkids, and, and you know, he, then he asked me, what year were you born? And I go, uh, 1964, and he goes, oh, I remember that year. That was the year I cut down a redwood tree as big round as this street. I told him how sad that made me feel, and he told me that he loved the trees. 
And I felt the truth in that statement. He said he loved the forests and because they had been providing for him and his family his entire life. The whole time we're having this conversation, men are trying to interrupt us. There's these cops pushing him back, saying, you know, you know, trying to push him back, and the peacekeepers are yelling at me, stop talking to that guy! And I just thought that was really stupid. You know, wasn't that the whole point for us to establish a dialogue? Isn't that why we were there? Like, to establish a connection, to forge a coalition between the loggers and the earth firsters to protect their jobs and the trees to forge a union against Wall Street. But yeah, it was really annoying. But that didn't stop me. I'm just wired that way. If you tell me not to do something, just watch me get activated. <laughs> I think the guy was like that too because we kept squeezing in between those rainbow warriors and the riot cops and we kept trying to have this conversation and you know, we started talking about how hemp was a good solution, and I was so surprised when he agreed with me. We, we, got, we were so engrossed in our conversation, we didn't even notice that the entire march had left. <laughs> I, I, until uh, two of the peacekeepers came up and they were like, hey, you gotta, you, you gotta come with us. <laughs> Come on! I was like, why? I'm trying to have a conversation over here. I got all New York City on that. I hadn't even lived there yet. Um, yeah, and then, then they, they, they started yelling at me. Like, we can't leave you here alone! And I was like, I'm not alone. Look at all these people! That's when they screamed at me. Do you want to get murdered? Do you want to get raped? That pissed me off. I told them I did not appreciate them putting a bad spell on me. But finally, I just stopped fighting and I said goodbye to the guy and I went to join the march. Thinking, man, for rainbow wearing peacekeepers, I sure did disturb the peace a lot. <laughs> When I rejoined the march, I turned around because I felt somebody tapping me on the shoulder. You're not going to believe who it was. It was the logger. He said, hey, I just wanted to talk to you some more. You know, for a hippie, you sure got a good head on your shoulders. <laughs> he came to march with us welfare bums. Because he wanted to talk to me some more. I felt like I had planted a seed that day. And maybe, sorry, by now, some 30 years later, it's grown into a nice sized tree. Now, the struggle is not over, but we did win. In 1999, Headwaters Forest Preserve was established after 15 years of resistance. And it contains 7,000 acres, 3,000 of which is a pristine, ancient, intact forest. 
ecosystem with a beautiful watershed full of healthy salmon and spotted owls. Some of those trees are almost 2,000 years old. I just want to say, always remember, never trust a Wall Street executive with a forest. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fables Podcast. Remember, the live event happens the second Wednesday of every month at the Next Stage Theater in Putney, Vermont. For more information, go to their website, nextagearts.org. For more Fables Podcasts and a variety of other podcasts, visit us at theearspoon.com. Thank you for listening.